Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Sounds Great with your hosts, Cash and G. We are here at The Cube, the home of producers in London, and we are here to have an interesting conversation with an incredible guest of ours on the show today. G, tell us a little bit more about the guest. Yeah, guys, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to be here, and today's guest is someone who's absolutely awesome. I'm super excited to have Katie Tavini on today. Now, Katie has worked with many talented individuals out there as well as bands and you know those working in the industry for a very long time um and i'm just super excited because it's not mixing it's not sound engineering it's not being an artist it's actually something different and it's something that i'd love to touch on because i want to know more about it as well so it's katie davini who, who's worked with emily sanday uh, arlo parks and many more so katie is a mastering engineer but first before i go into too much katie welcome Thank you. Um, Thanks for having I'd, me. I'd love to get an introduction to yourself. Um, so please tell me more about who is Katie and uh, what you do. Oh, well, um, shit. I'm Katie Tavini. <laughs> I'm a mashing engineer. I'm self-taught. I work in my little jungle studio. I'm so lucky because I get to work with some amazing artists. Um, I have a mastering collective called Weird Jungle, where I work with two other mastering engineers, um, which is really great because kind of mastering is quite lonely. And before that, I didn't have colleagues. So, yeah, that's kind of what I do. I have um, a community called 2% Rising, which me and a friend called Rooks, she's a producer, we set up together. So that's for women and gender minorities in the music industry. Nice. Um, and at the moment, I'm also an executive director of the Music Producers Guild. Wow. Nice. Juggling a few roles there. That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> and was you, was you at the MPGs this year then, Katie? I was. I was. Probably missed it. Oh, no. That's where we first met, That's actually. where we first Sorry, met. Yes. Was, that, <laughs> was that the year you won Mastering Engineer of the Year? I've never won. I've been nominated three times. Oh, nominated. Won. Sorry. That I'm was it, too yeah. young to win. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you're going to win. Yeah, it's a matter of time, it sounds Not like. for a few years. <laughs> and when you do, I'm coming on the stage with a bottle of champagne. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so, so what was it that actually made you want to get into mastering over anything else? You know what, it was purely an accident. I don't think anyone kind of thinks, oh, I really want to be a mastering engineer because it's the sort of, it's the least seen bit of the music industry. So I always wanted to be a, a studio engineer because I'd seen, you know, interviews with producers and engineers and thought, oh, that looks amazing. <laughs> um, so I started off, you know, doing that, working in studios. And yeah, one day someone just asked me to master something. Wow. Um, yeah. But I was always really bad at mixing. And kind of discovering mastering was really cool. Because when you work in a studio as a, you know, a, an engineer, people kind of expect you to mix. And I was always like, you know, practicing and trying really hard, but just never got better at it. <laughs> I really respect people who mix because to me, that is the hardest thing ever. Wow. Um, but yeah, just accidentally mastered something one day. I said to this guy, I was like, no, you need to go to a professional. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to do that. And he was like, oh, but it's you know, I need it now, and you're the only person I can find that's actually online. So I was like, all right, let's, I'll give it a go, but if it's terrible, just don't use it. Just do us all a favour and don't use it. 
And we worked throughout the night and bounced different versions back and forth and really listened and gave each other feedback and stuff. And it was it was really cool. And they ended up using using the project. And wow, I nice. got hired again straight away after that. Um, nice. And then I thought, well, I best teach myself how to do this because <laughs> I don't amazing. know what I'm doing. It's been a really long learning curve. But, it, you know, every day is different in the studio every type of music that comes in is different it, it's always um every day is something new and i'm constantly learning mm. so yeah i love that about mastering wow I want, I want to touch on katie just as we were speaking about mastering i want to touch on like the online perception of mastering and some of the things that i see when i'm online and you know what i'm gonna ask but um <laughs> there's a massive difference that i can hear from mixing versus mastering right um when people ask me, I'm always like, mastering is more of a science, you know, it's science-based. But I want, I, want, I want it to come from you a little bit. Um, so first of all, when you're designing your studio, right? Obviously, when you're designing a studio for mixing, you're going to place rock wall, pa uh, rock wall panels or whatever it may be, specifically for mixing, reflections, stuff like that. What's the difference in when you're setting up a mastering studio compared to a mixing studio? Um, is it the same thing? Do you still set up kind of the reflections with rock wall panels from the speakers? Um, still got your sweet spot. Everything's exactly the same. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. I mean, I think knowing your room is more important, and like knowing your speakers and knowing what music sounds like in there is more That's important so than having like an acoustically perfect environment. But yeah, I worked quite hard to to get my studio sounding really good. Um, and looking really good, may I add? And looking really good. <laughs> can, we, can we just give the, the viewers and listeners... Oh, well, the do viewers... Do a, <laughs> a little spin? Talk. Yeah, yeah, do a little spin. There we go. Check that out. It's quite chaotic at the way. Wow. <laughs> just... It's just always summertime in there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's... um, It's quite nice. It is nice in summer because it feels really cool and dark. Um, but in winter, if like I've got sort of lamps everywhere that aren't nice. turned on at the nice. moment. Nice. But in winter, you need those you know, like that light because for some reason the speakers in here just absorb any daylight. Oh, of course. Which now it's kind of fine, but yeah, in winter it can get a little bit, little bit depressing. Yeah, a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Now I can imagine. Um, that's still, awesome. yeah. Sorry, sorry. I just want to go back just a little bit to to say, um, mixing versus mastering still. So. What is the difference then, Katie, between mixing and mastering? Because I know, obviously, there's a massive difference for me. Um, but then you see the online perception of minus nine laughs for Spotify and something for Apple Music and blah, 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 blah. But then when I'm in a mastering engine, I'm sitting with them in Metropolis and I'm in a session and I'm like, wait, that uh, wait, there's no minus nine. Wait, wait, wait. They're not even kind of reflected. So where does that come from? And kind of like, what is the massive difference? Well, mixing is leveling out all of the different instruments in a in a track, and that can be super creative and um, so can mastering, but in a really different way. Mm. Um, so with mastering, there is all of these guidelines on the internet um, of you know what will sound best on Spotify, what will sound best on Tidal, Apple Music, all of those things, but. Um, I think at the end of the day, as long as you get something sounding the best that piece of music can sound, you're onto a winner. Mm. Whereas if you're constantly thinking, oh, I need to make this sound great on Spotify, the Spotify algorithm will change in five years' time. Like, their processing yeah. will change, you know. Spotify's been on <laughs> quite a big journey since they first launched. Um, 
who knows what's gonna um you know i've no idea what stuff's gonna sound like but if you can make stuff sound the best it can mm -hmm. for that individual project then it's always gonna sound good yeah and and is there a specific headroom that you leave or um, i don't know if you're allowed to say but is there a specific headroom that you would leave uh on every master overall so regardless if it's rock if it's hip-hop if it's r&b um is this something that you stick to because obviously with mixing you get the argument of it's more about um, more about the sound, more about how it, how how you hear it, and obviously now what I'm trying to come across here was the science part of it. Um, do you have to stick to a guideline, and you stick to that guideline? Um, no, but sort of I tend to master to minus zero point two, mm -hmm. I think. Okay just because that seems to be what other mastering engines are doing. I'm really not a science mastering kind of person. Ah. I'm more of a how does it feel. Um, I'm a music fan, mainly. Like, I, you know, when I get something into master, I'm thinking, you know, what's the, um, what's the intention behind this music? What's the emotion behind it? What, like, how can I bring out more of the feel? So I kind of approach things from a much less techie direction um but then my background is in music and not tech i didn't do a like a production course i didn't i've never studied this i'm completely self-taught whereas i have been a musician so i'm kind of coming at it from the artist's perspective wow. a little bit i guess and just kind of trying to enhance their vision um obviously with making formats and stuff there are things that you've got to um, bear in mind, so making vinyl sides, kind of making them a bit more dynamic and making sure that, you know, the limiter isn't sort of crushing mm. all the life out the vinyl sides. Um, and when you make, you know, Apple Digital Masters, obviously they have really kind of strict guidelines of, mm -hmm. you know, how you have to present the audio uh, to make sure that there's no intersample peaking happening. But, yeah, other than that, when I kind of you know when I start work I listen and I feel and it's a really it's quite a holistic process it's quite yeah. emotional um and I don't think people really talk about that side of mastering um the the bit of mastering that you see the most online is always the audio processing and there's so many YouTube videos where people are like oh I've got seven EQs I've got a multiband <laughs> compressor I've got a normal compressor I've got an expander I've got a stereo widener yep. I've got seventeen <laughs> limiters yeah. whereas actually you know the the things that we do is I never start off like that I don't start off with anything and mm. I always think what does this music need it's all it's always driven by what the music needs rather than I'm just going to process audio for the sake of it. Mm. Um, and also the parts of mastering that people don't really talk about online is the quality check. So, yeah. you know, that's the first thing that I do is just check that the audio is functioning in the best way it can. So um, sometimes, um, and this happens all the time, is people like maybe cut off a tiny bit of the fade out at the end of mm. a song or is there a bit of talking in a vocal mic or are there some clicks that, you know, I could remove for them? So just really making sure that everything's kind of sounding polished because when you've produced an album, some people produce an album over two years and they're so invested in it. And it's really hard to see, especially when you're used to hearing things. 
Mm. Um, so it's really my job to catch anything um, that perhaps shouldn't be there just before um, before I master it. Yeah. And then the other part of mastering is the really boring part is making formats for people. <laughs> um, and it's basically like glorified filing. But yeah. I think... You know, releasing music is really hard and really stressful and it's really important for me that whoever I send some final masters to has every single format that they need mm -hmm. really clearly labelled just to make their job releasing music a little bit easier because it can be so overwhelming and I need to make sure that they can find exactly what they're looking for really, really quickly and understand what that is mm -hmm. and how to use the different formats and where to use the different file types. Yeah. And, and at what point did you realise you could do this full time? <laughs> um, so I had a, a full time job up until January 2020, and which was um, as a transfer engineer. So I started working in 2018 at the British Library, mm -hmm. digitising the sound archive. So basically playing tapes and other... other um, obsolete formats not that tapes are obsolete but um they kind of come under the umbrella of that and i moved to brighton to do the same um at the end of 2018 and yeah so i had my studio in brighton and i was sort of mastering evenings and weekends and not nice. having much of a life and then you know when the pandemic hit i was still working part-time transferring tapes wow um but it got to the point where i was having so many inquiries that mastering started sort of interrupting my day job or well my part-time job so i was kind of <laughs> thinking oh you know there was a few months where i was thinking do i take this leap um and then so I quit my job in August 2020. So wow. it's still really new for me um, doing this full time. But yeah, loving it. It's great. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really nice to hear. Wow, that was amazing. So um, I want to touch on university and your experience when you were studying, right? So um, was there anyone in particular that you, who inspired you while you were studying? So whether that's mixing, mastering, engineering, making artists music, even, yeah. artist, or anything specific that you thought, wow, this person really, I stuck by kind of, and believed in them. Well, so I did a music degree, like just general music. And um, the person that like really, really inspired me was the person who like taught the recording studies module. Um, called Brendan Williams. He still teaches at Salford Uni now, and he's wonderful. Wow. Um, Shout out Mr. Really, Williams. Yeah. <laughs> he really encouraged everyone. It was not a technical studio module. It was a get in the studio and be creative. <coughs> and for me, that was amazing. I'd never had studio access like that before, and I used to stay there till midnight <laughs> pretty mm -hmm. much every day wow. just trying to use the studios as much as possible because I was like oh when I leave uni I am not gonna be able to afford um <laughs> like any of this gear or whatever so uh yeah he was sort of really really um inspiring to me just um yeah just using the studio as a creative tool I just thought that was amazing and then 
kind of halfway through my third year, he was like, oh, one of my friends is looking for an engineer for his studio. Do you want me to put you forward? Um, wow. And I was like, yeah, that would be amazing. Thinking, oh, my God, what? <laughs> <laughs> In my head. You know when you try and play it cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I thought I'd be just time, making yeah. tea for a bit. <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, I was engineering for um, a musician called John Ellis who's just incredibly creative i mean he's a keys player but he basically plays everything nice <laughs> wow and um a producer called bill leader who was 80 when i started working with him and he was still producing wow um and so he you know he's seen music through every decade basically since the 50s wow which wow. you know just working with someone like bill and his sort of knowledge and temperament and the way he acted in the studio was just mind-blowing to me it was incredible to to learn from like he was just so open to everything um and I think seeing that and you know yeah. being around Bill and John was just yeah. See, it's it's so it's so inspiring to have teachers like that that actually care. I think. Mm. I, I mean, I, I had a few in, in my um, university, and it really wants you to like to to push yourself further and take that next step. And they, you know, having a motivational person like that in your life as you're studying can be really crucial. I think it's uh, it's beautiful to have that. I think. Mm -hmm. Totally. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. No. Same. Same as what you said there as well. It's just really important and have someone like you said who's who's gone. Oh. oh. <laughs> It's Rudely interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that time of the show, Katie, um, which we like to call the album interlude section. Um, what that basically means is that you have 60 seconds to answer as many quickfire questions as possible, a mix of <laughs> music-related questions and random ones. Uh, so apologies in advance for those. Uh, how does that sound? Terrifying. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we love to hear. This is exactly what we're here for. Um, all right, cool. So um, your 60-second timer starts now. Which artist did you idolise as a kid? Oh, um, like Slipknot. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, mo monitors or headphones? Monitors, always. What's your studio drink? Um, water and cups of tea with oat milk, one sugar. Okay. Studio pet or no pet? Oh my god, I wish I had a studio pet. I could talk about cats for ages. <laughs> I love them. Bring me a cat. Someone send me a cat. No, London or Brighton? Brighton. Mac or Windows? Mac. Two artists you'd love to work with? Oh my god, there's so many. <laughs> um, go, go, go. Any on Ed Banger Records. Okay. Just any. Di digital or analog? Oh, um, analog. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite studio snack? Uh, oh, protein shake, functional. Favorite Beatles song? Oh, oh my God, that's so hard. Oof. In Don't... my life, maybe? Oh, fair enough. Oh, Beach no, oh. You just got that in there. <laughs> just got that in there. We're going to give you that one. Um, <clears throat> that was a good amount. Wow, you, you did all right. That was, I mean, you cheated on a few of those answers there. You gave I us know. some like very broad. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, answers. Yeah, 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 she gave me two answers for the favorite studio drink. That 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 surely can't count. We're gonna have to speak to the internal uh, admin <laughs> team about production that. Team. <laughs> well, you can't drink cups of tea all day. It's not good for you. You've got to. Wait, wanna... you're having water, cups of tea, protein shakes, all, all the fluids by the sounds of it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, that was that was really good. I think you did all right there. We're gonna to have to tally those up. The um, for anyone that's watching and listening, we'll tally it all up at the end of the the season, um, and yeah, we'll we'll see how everyone performed. 
Katie, I think you did really well in that album interlude. I'm super excited to go see what the results will be. Um, but yeah, no, so let's go back into the questions now. Um, something I really want to ask as well, um, obviously, when it, I know I'm, I'm being this whole mixing versus mastering thing. I'm not trying to do that. But what I want to do is figure out stuff, obviously, for this new generation of creators. Not even new generation, you know, just new creators. The other day I was speaking to someone who is actually a six-year-old DJ um, from COVID. COVID. Six-year-old. So when you say new generation, 60. Oh. Six-year-old DJ. Just out of COVID, just started making beats on their iPad, and now they're That's a DJ. Amazing. Um, wow. amazing stuff. And so we're saying new generation. I generally mean the whole spectrum of, of, of people new into music, right? So speak, we're speaking to them here. How involved is the artist in the process of mastering? Like, do you get the artist coming down? Do you go back and forth with stem, um, or stems or, or the masters or? Yeah, and, and also does it depend on the artist as well? Yeah, it totally depends on the artist. Um, basically the artist can be as involved as they'd like to be. I don't do attended sessions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm really new at this. And I'm really chatty as well. I feel like if someone was in the room with me, <laughs> I I'd, you that. know, just spend the whole day yeah. talking their ear off. Um, so I feel like, you know, because I'm quite new and for my kind of concentration, I want to do the best job I possibly can. Um, I don't do attended sessions, but um, yeah, bounce stuff back and forth and, you know, ask them for references if they've got any and... Just really try and see what they're what they're aiming for and what their vision is. Um, but you know, sometimes their manager or their label will deal with the mastering, mm. um, and you know, sometimes the artist is off on tour or um, making. Sometimes making a record like a follow up record as the new one is being mastered. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just yeah, it really depends. Nice. And and do you have like a set process for every track that you follow or does it heavily depend on the session and stuff? No, I <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I basically start each session just listening and seeing what the music needs. And I basically oh, yeah, so. feel like feel the intention of the music and go kind of, you know, what do, what do I need to do first? Mm. Um, I mm. tend to put a limiter on first just to kind of bring everything up to level mm-hmm. um that's always the first move I do because limiters can really change mm. um you know the way the way we hear things um and they can really make a big difference to the way the music sounds so it's just kind of feeling feeling that you know I think when I started mastering that limiter was always the last thing that I put on mm-hmm. and then yeah. I noticed that kind of it just changed the sound too much and all the moves that I'd made, all of the EQ choices I'd made were just sort of basically being made useless <laughs> by yeah, the limiter. Right. So, um, yeah, kind of working top down, I guess, in most cases. But, um, yeah, I don't really have a specific specific Fair. thing. Yeah, okay, I always cool. try and start the day as if I've never mastered anything before. And just wow. keep a really open mind about each song. Like a lot of people say, oh, do you have a go-to mastering chain? And it's just really driven by the project and what the music needs. But then even in the context of an album, you know, you do want some continuity. But um, also in the album, each song is different. And sometimes each sure. song has been mixed by a different engineer or producer. 
Mm. Um, I've just mastered an album for Moonchild Sonelli, who is just amazing. I love her so much. But um, yeah, that was mixed by so many different people, all incredible. But it's 19 songs. And wow. <laughs> You know. And you're the only you're the only mastering engineer on the album. Yeah. Oh, nice. So it was Let's go. really, you know, I booked two days out for that in my diary and a lot of it was just kind of, you know, balancing levels and listening and kind of bringing out differences where, you know, needed because 19 tracks, you might think, oh, an album needs to be really, really consistent, but actually 19 tracks... There's got to be a structure to that. That's got mm. to hold people's focus for ni- 19 songs. That's a lot. And yeah. so part of that album was was bringing out little subtle differences. Um, but then also part of that album was kind of adding continuity where necessary as well. So it's just very... You've got to look at the album as a body of work and really try and see what the artist is um, trying to achieve with the art. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's obviously very um, de- dependent on where the songs are going as well, right? We have a massive difference between festivals compared to a club, compared to the car, compared to obviously you got Atmos now, but we won't talk about that yet. But um, it's really dependent on where the song's going because I know specific artists, labels and stuff, they, they create music or they want the sound to sp- specifically go towards when you're driving or kind of, you know, this is going to be the track that's going to be out in festival. This is part of our set. So as a master engineer, do you have to kind of differentiate between those when you're speaking with kind of labels or the execs or whoever it may be? Um, has anyone ever come, come up to you and said, yeah, well, this is kind of going to go to the festival or this is one of them club bangers and then you're like all right cool question. so i'm gonna the bass the, the, the <laughs> lows and obviously festivals you know um has that ever come about before yeah so um generally if people have a dance track they mm. do have a version that they want playing in a club and mm. that tends to be a lot lot louder yeah. than mm, um so. you know i would master for sort of streaming or um definitely louder than I'd master for vinyl. So yeah, sometimes you have to kind of just try and get the same feeling from the music, mm. but yeah. obviously yeah, it's got a stand up in a in a DJ set. It's got to sound amazing. Mm-hmm. Um but also you've got to think about like some clubs um have um like mono speakers yeah, yeah so you've got to make sure that it sounds really really good in mono but also sounds point. really really good in stereo mm-hmm. um because you know someone could be doing a dj set in a club with mono speakers but then someone could also be doing a dj set with like a stereo pa yeah mm-hmm. so it's got to sound good on both um and i think that's really important but everything requires quite a lot of communication so if i don't know Say if I've got, um, you know, if a song is clearly a dance banger, I'll just do that on autopilot. But sometimes, um, sometimes you don't know where people will want music mastering for. And yeah, that requires a bit of communication. So. Uh, Cool. That's a good point. Um, So just, just, uh, you know, just to go onto the topic of some of the, you know projects you've worked on um t- tell us how you met emily sanday and how how uh, how it was working with her to be honest i've oh i have met her once in an airport and she's a delight um but actually i know her manager kat kennedy so i met okay. her manager 
hat um, on the Key Change programme, which is a programme that um, PRS Foundation run um, in collaboration with a couple of other organisations. And it's basically um, EU... Obviously, we're not in the EU anymore, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> Canada, and now the US. They're just expanding to the US. And um, nice. it's a one-year programme where gender minorities in music can apply and you basically get support. So, um, like, I think it's called capacity building. Mm. So it's workshops, you get to travel, go to different festivals to meet people. Nice. So it's very, very cool. So we met in Sweden and I just mastered Nadine Shah's album. Oh, when wow. we met and she was wow. like, oh, are you Katie? I've heard you work on Nadine's album because Kat works with Nadine's manager. Mm. Um, and we just got chatting and she said, oh, I manage We Are Scientists. And I was like, oh, I love We Are Scientists. Oh They're God, one of my favourite bands. I had pictures of them on my walls when I was a <laughs> teenager. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and yeah, she started managing Emily Sunday kind of shortly after that. And I think it was in the middle of the pandemic. She just sent me a song and said, can you master this? Yeah, all right. For Emily, and it was before <laughs> she'd kind of announced that she was managing her. And I was nice. like, oh, my God, this is the scariest job of my life. <laughs> I had so much anxiety oh, <laughs> sending best. off that first draft master um, just because she's so iconic. Um, yeah, so. One of my favourite writers ever. I was singers, writers, anything. I just I just love the sound and... and yeah, just amazing stuff. Yeah, she's an absolute icon. So it was really fascinating to hear that you worked with her. And I was, yeah, I was just curious to see how you guys met. Cool. So <clears throat> I just want to, uh, before we kind of start wrapping up and stuff, Katie, one, one of the biggest things that we spoke about before is that aspiring um, new musician, master engineer, whatever it may be. But kind of what advice do you have? Because you've been, like you said, you've been doing this full time for kind of a short time, we could say, because obviously this engineer has been doing it for 10 years or whatever it may be. So, and obviously you've created a brand for yourself and, and I followed you from the LinkedIn days, so early days, but um, <clears throat> what advice would you give to someone kind of starting out, you know, mixing's not working out, writing's not working out, now they're looking at mastering, it's something new or, or whatever it may be, or maybe they just picked up mastering. What advice would you give? Um, be really open-minded, keep learning, be really, really nice to everyone and just, yeah, be respectful to to people um work really hard and have a protein shake in the studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no hours with what you do as well right I feel there's like no specific hours. <laughs> that's really bad advice but i'm so hot in here i, can't <laughs> I think Blame that's perfect heat. advice oh no that's that's sweet simple um work hard and you know deliver stuff on time Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's probably a good. That's probably a good one as well. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. uh, it, it must be it must be hard to break into the industry more so more so now than ever before, I'd imagine. So yes, yeah, it's, it's always good to have, you know, the likes of yourself on our platform to to you know give some inspirational words to some of our viewers and listeners out there. So thank you so much for that, Katie. Um, and it's been incredible having you on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your ever hot day. <laughs> um, You're really appreciate thank it. Thank you what, so the much highest, for having hot, me. Hottest day of the of the year in the UK? Mm, or, or if, in, if it hits 38.7, it'll be the 
hottest day of the year ever. So hottest day ever in the UK. At the minute, it's on like 36, so we're nearly oh, there. Wow. 2.2. 2. So listeners, please, uh, we may hit a record with Katie Tavani today. Damn, there we go. <laughs> um, um, awesome. Cool. But yeah, th- again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, yeah, we'll look, we'll, you know, we're looking forward to, to actually meeting you in person and, and doing some work with you in the future. Fab, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much, Katie. Honestly, you've been amazing and definitely catch up soon. And uh, yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for watching and listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please make sure you leave a a like and a comment if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're streaming on your preferred digital streaming platform for podcasts, please make sure you review this podcast. Five stars? Should we do five stars? We can do five stars. Um, And as usual, guys, please tune in every fortnight for um, for, yeah new episodes and uh take care take care everyone bye bye bye